Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastors Rich and Don Cherie Wilkerson conclude our collection of talks, Living Together, in this discussion on the realities of relationship. Wherever you find yourself on the road of relationships, we can look to God's Word, not solely for advice, but truth and direction. With Him at the center, we find practical patterns for health and wholeness. To discover collection resources and revisit the past six weeks, visit vuchurch.com slash together. Now let's lean into the conversation together. Tap your neighbor saying living together because this is not done. I'm so excited to be here with Pastor Rich and Pastor DC. How you guys feeling today? I feel good. I'm happy to be here with you. It's a good day. You're making me really nervous right now. I am? Why? You've got a very like Larry King kind of like look on your face right now, (laughs) taking us deep. But uh, no, I'm excited about this. I'm going to go off script for sure. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm excited about today. And uh, one more time, I mean, just the last five weeks, it's been so helpful for our church. The conversations that we've been having in Vu Crew, the conversations that we've been having in the courtyard, uh, in our teams, they've helped our singleness, they've helped our dating, they've helped our marriages, whatever season of life we found ourselves. So one more time, can we put our hands together for our pastors? It's really been so fun. Can't believe we're in week six. And uh, I guess to start, really what I would love to know is, is this collection of talks. I feel like we've gone more specific in our titles than we've ever gone, really trying to hit specific content. And as we've gone through living together, uh, I guess my question is, whenever we started this collection, what was your prayer that our church would get out of this collection? What are some misconceptions that you wanted to make sure that we hit head on, that people couldn't walk out confused if they continued to listen to this collection of talks? Well, you know, for Don Shree and I, we've just celebrated uh, in February 21 years of hanging out together. Come on now. I want, I want to say like dating, but I think the first two months she didn't know we were dating. So um, some of y'all will get that later on. But uh, uh, 16 years of marriage. And I think for me, what I just continue to be amazed by that the longer I am married and the longer that I, I study it, it's just kind of where we started with week one, just how profound of a mystery that it is, how important it is to God, how it was God's design. I think we live in a world right now where culture would try to say that's a man-made construct, but it's so in the heart of God and he uses it far bigger than we could ever imagine. And so I just, as I study it, I see it throughout the scriptures. And then we all know it's just, it's difficult um, having a happy and a healthy marriage. I think all of us doesn't matter what season of life you find yourself in, that if you're in a relationship, uh, if you're humble enough, we're all looking for ways to get better. We don't want just good marriages or average marriages. We want great ones. Well, how do I do that? And you just discover it takes a whole lot of work. And so you don't go to the gym one time like, well, I'm done. Um, some of you've done that before, but most of us, <laughs> you have to constantly you know, have tune-ups. You have to constantly work on yourself. And that's how it is with your marriage. It's a living, breathing thing. And we could go back through our marriage and there's been different seasons where that was really strong or that was weak. And then in another season, that thing that was weak now became strong. The thing that was strong now became weak. And so I just think always having a constant open flow of conversation is really, really helpful. Yeah, I think my prayer today for you and throughout this entire collection is the prayer that I was praying right before I walked up. And that's just God, wherever people are, meet them there. 
open up their hearts, change them by the power of your spirit. Um, Our marriage is just a testimony of God's grace his faithfulness, and that's the story of all of our lives. And so I think while our marriage and our experience doesn't span the entire human experience, God's word, it's not advice, it's truth. And I believe today, like as we close out this collection, that God's just gonna continue to connect the dots in all of our hearts. He's gonna say what we need, what our spirits need to hear. Do you guys believe it today? I really believe it. I believe it. And I, I think in this collection of talks, like I said, we have been specific, talking about the path to divorce, talking about the motivation of marriage, talk about even picking a partner. And I think a lot of times when we come into settings like this, we're talking about what love is. We think about that verse in 1 Corinthians that we've all heard and every wedding that we've ever been to, love is patient, love is kind. But what I love about that verse, and we were talking about this earlier. It's actually funny because I did a wedding for a couple in our church. And when I sat down with them before the, before the wedding to talk about what they wanted to talk about, they go, you can read any passage of scripture except for 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> Telling, so telling you what not scripture to you. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's deep. I've never had that before. How come but it, it is read at every wedding and it's because- why did, why Can a scripture powerful? be overdone? Why did they not want First Corinthians 13? Maybe they wanted to use it in the rehearsal dinner. I don't know. I don't know. But I just thought it was so interesting because I think it does speak power to our lives because sometimes we can hear something and we can just tune it out because we already think we know it, right? And um, I think they didn't want people to do that. But you're right. Love is so clearly defined in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, and talking about what love is, but also we were talking about what love is not. And that's what I've appreciated about this collection of talks is we've gone to some of the tough areas where maybe some relationships wanna manipulate things. Hey, I do this because I love you, but it's really not in the name of scripture and the Bible, not theologically correct in any regards in terms of what God sees marriage as. What are some things that you're happy that we got to talk through about what love is not? Well, I think it's really important on both sides of marriage, before marriage, and as you step into marriage, to have a clear definition of God's definition of love. Because culture paints a picture of love that is really toxic. And you can buy into it and think that it's sexy or that it's cute. You guys, jealousy is not cute. Like jealousy is not attractive. And if there's insecurity in your life, you can look at someone who's jealous for you and you can actually crave that because somehow that feels good to have someone jealous. But the Bible is so clear. It doesn't define just what love is. It says what love is not. And 1 Corinthians clearly says love is not jealous. And so I think before you step into marriage, it's really important to look with eyes open. We're not falling into love, we're choosing love. And to know that uh, these attributes are not gonna build my marriage. I know what I'm looking for in someone, someone who's not easily angered, someone who keeps no record of wrongs. That's the person I wanna walk alongside for life. But then as you step into marriage, I think it's really important because it's easy to just point the finger at the other person. But point the finger at yourself. How easily angered am I? How, how am I exemplifying love in my marriage? Because as I read God's word, it shows me what love is not. And often I am exhibiting those characteristics in my day to day because I'm not slowing down and listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to identify the places in my life that he wants to change. I can't change myself. But aren't you grateful that the Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out? 
That's what that chord of three strands is all about. When he's in the mix, he can do anything. I always love when you preach to yourself. David oh. encouraged himself. Amen. We got to do it. Amen, amen, amen. There's always like, I watch you in this close, like this anointing comes out. It's pretty powerful uh, and attractive. We matched um, today. We wore sweaters. <laughs> I like matching with you. I love you so much. I think, um, <laughs> I, think, I think what you're asking is kind of an interesting question because I think there's different types of learners. That's what's always so like interesting about like, I wouldn't just like go to church one Sunday uh, because I think that... You, we all learn differently. And some messages, it's always funny as a preacher because people have selective hearing. So it's not, sometimes I'm preaching, like I could be preaching, you know, the fall of man, Genesis two and three. And then we walk out and someone's like, man, it's just amazing. Like they could hear something totally different from what I just talked about. It's happened. I'm always like, how did you, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes it's the spirit of God ministering right to there's one little thing that was said. But I, what I've learned about listeners is that sometimes we learn from the light and sometimes we learn from the dark. And what I mean is, is that you could title something three ways how to be a great leader, or I could title something three ways to be a jacked up leader. And all of a sudden you split the room. Some people's ears perked up and they said, well, how do I become a great leader? And then other people, they perked up and said, well, I don't want to be a jacked up leader. And so before you know it, we start digesting things a little bit differently. So it's kind of like the contrast, light and dark. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is all these positives, which I think we should always start with vision because vision is you know, in many ways, people throw off restraint is what the scripture says. We don't have boundaries. We don't have guardrails in our life because we have no vision for our life. So we just drive recklessly and we don't, if there wasn't lines on the road, how many y'all know? The lines on the road in Miami don't even help that much, but, <laughs> but some of us without guardrails and lines, we would just be all over the place. And so that's what vision's always doing. But you, you I think you're asking an interesting question that we could probably park for a little while. Just what is, love is not what? Like, well, if I, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, you could get all the opposites, all the antonyms to those words and quickly you go, is this what my love life looks like? Is my love life like full of all of these negatives? And quickly you're going, I don't think that's gonna lead to joy and peace. What happens to us, and we do this in different areas, um, we get comfortable and broken. And it's fascinating because if all you were ever raised around or if all you ever experienced in relationship was brokenness, it's, it's crazy to say, but sometimes we get attracted to broken because it makes us feel safe. And it's because of all we've ever known. And sometimes we live in a situation that's so dysfunctional that we just learn how to become flexible around it. We learn how to adjust our lives around it. Uh, I've told the story before, but I used to live in this loft when Don and I were first starting the church and uh, we had no bedroom. So it was just like, you kind of go around the corner and like, there's the room. Um, which was cool because you do a tour, you just do like, hey, there it is. And you just see the whole house. Um, but we had our closets, these big, huge closets, like in the main entranceway, you could see our, our closets. And they were from Ikea, God bless Ikea. But uh, it was broken from like day two. And it was on the hinge. And if you came, it was kind of funny because the way it, it hung, um, I'm not good with like fixing stuff. You know, I, I pray for stuff and... Um, <laughs> So stupid. All right. Um, and so like genuinely when I say this, probably a year, I'm not proud of this. There was one closet that you couldn't slide. Um, you had to like re maneuver your body around it to like get in. So like Don Shree, like every morning I have to come out and be like, oh, she had to like sneak into the closet. And one time I had a friend come over and we were sitting there and he saw my closet all hanging that way where he saw me go to get something. He's like, dude, what's that? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, 
why, why, you, why don't you just move it? I was like, oh, it's broken. And he's like, well, why don't you fix it? I was like, well, I don't know how. And he's like, well, how long has it been broken? I'm like, for a year. <laughs> My man's like, give me a second. Goes to his car, comes back with a toolbox. And in 15 minutes, he fixes it. And I just had this revelation in the moment. Wow, sometimes we are tolerating problems for a year, two years. Some of us 20 years, some of us generations of family cycles that with one bit of revelation, help, insight could be fixed 15 minutes. But what had happened was I just gotten used to getting into the closet like, you know, like I was in an obstacle course, Ninja Warrior, okay? And I just wonder how many of us are dating that way and making excuses for somebody who by no means has a pattern of what real love looks like. Uh, we do it to ourselves. Yeah. The scripture is supposed to cleanse us. It's a mirror that we recognize. Wow, there's my blemishes. There's my issues. There's my weaknesses. I find hope in his grace, but his grace doesn't just make an excuse for all of my brokenness. It enables me and empowers me to grow and to become more like Jesus. And so I just think when you're talking about like some of these issues, like I've really enjoyed trying to lean into some other niche areas because we're all in different seasons. We all got different stories. If we pass the mic around, everyone's got a unique question for their season. And we don't have all the answers, but we've got God's word. And it's sort of fun as a teacher trying to lean into an area. If 50% of marriages end in divorce, how come we don't ever hear marriages on how to rebound from a divorce or how to trust again after a divorce or how to raise kids in a mixed marriage? Like just because that happened, well, that happened. Now we got to figure a way to rebuild from that space. And so that's really interesting to me. I'm going to answer shorter. I apologize. Yeah, I love what you're saying about we can get used to dysfunction. Yeah. I think what you said in this collection of talks, we can function in dysfunction. Oh, wow. And I think it's important for us to know that, that we can live our lives with the broken jaw for a year. And for you, what that took is it took somebody else having the courage to put in the effort to fix it. But sometimes whenever we're in dating relationships, whenever we're in marriages that are going through difficult times, sometimes we know what the problem was. You knew that the door was broken, but it was gonna take effort. Yeah. It was gonna take you to face it. It was gonna take you to go get the tools that you needed. What have you two done? Just as we're kind of talking about this area of fixing things in our lives, whether it's your personal lives or in your dating relationship, in your marriage, when things have gotten to a tough spot, how have you guys had the courage and also the space to actually have those conversations to try to fix those things? Well, I'll talk about what I did wrong for sure. I, I think that we're always learning um, how to walk out a healthy relationship. But if there's anything that I pray constantly for the couples in our community, it's for healthy communication. Because communication really sets a vision for your relationship. It, it either accelerates the pace or it stifles the pace. Um, I, I think that in our marriages, we all come into a relationship with different personalities. And the point is not uniformity. The point is not that we think exactly the same on everything. Rich and I, we couldn't be more different. That's what makes our marriage fun and exciting and at moments so incredibly frustrating. But friends, <laughs> There are a few things that we are on the same page always on, and those are the things that really matter. The foundation is the same in our lives. We, we know that we wanna live our lives for Jesus. 
We know that we wanna give our lives away for the gospel. We know we wanna raise our kids with the knowledge of who God is and what his word says about them. We know that we wanna raise our kids in God's house. We know that we want to live our life according to the scriptures and submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. These are the things that don't change. Everything else, the personalities and what we're feeling in seasons, those can be different, but the foundation stays the same. We don't think exactly the same, but we're headed in the same direction. There's a big difference. And when you realize the difference, you receive grace from God to stay committed as you continue to grow and move forward together. And so like some of the things in communication that I've done so wrong over the years is I would look for the perfect moment to have the conversation. And friends, sometimes, sometimes that moment would be like six months later. And Rick's is like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Like he's like, how, first of all, how did you keep this in your heart for this long? And then usually when I was waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect moment never came. And so I didn't even get to get to the perfect moment because I just exploded. Has anybody ever been there before? Come on, has anybody ever been there? And so what I had to learn was there is a right time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring something to Rich right before he walks on stage to bring the word. That would be so foolish. That would not be wise. But I am gonna carve out some time, a, a good moment. A good time to have a disagreement is not at night when you've both worked all day and you're exhausted. Find some time in the morning. Ask to have, hey, can we take some five, five minutes and let's communicate. I think being on the same page, understanding each other, just hearing each other out gives you a perspective that you didn't have before. And if the point is to walk together, not to be exactly the same, then every time he communicates his heart to me, I understand more of what he sees when he looks through his lens of life. And every time he stops and hears my heart, Ladies, you, you wanna know it's sexy? Go make, it, it, there's nothing more attractive than when someone, they can make you a cup of coffee, sit down with you and say, what's on your mind? Is that not just the most refreshing thing ever? Why, because they wanna hear your heart. They wanna hear what's going on with you and what it does is it creates unity because you're having healthy communication. Yeah, I think the, the principle, if you're a principle person, I try to be that. Like the principle for me is don't focus on thinking alike, focus on thinking together. So allow your partner, your spouse to influence you. I think, I think marriages are always doing when it's like, I'm the one who's always telling us what we do. And that happens with guys and girls. I think you both have to have a flow of being influenced by one another. And the only way that happens is by staying curious, getting to know that person. Um, Dontre and I have made, I think, big strides in our relationship, but that doesn't mean that we can't fall victim to some of the old traps, some of the old temptations. I think that we do communicate well, but that sometimes we break our own rules and we find ourselves getting into a fight and it's 1130 at night and before you know it, you say things that you don't want to say and you, you dig up the past, right? Like you pull out the old baggage and we say the things never, always, fat. You don't say these words. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. She's really upset about my, about my weight and I'm working on it, but um, no, I'm kidding. It's so stupid. Um, sorry, you guys are very serious today. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think um, Don Tree makes me laugh because she, everyone's always like, man, Dontree, she never gets upset, right? She's just, oh. Never. I, and I always go, yeah, I always just go, never, 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 never. She's a killer, actually. And uh, <laughs> you don't want to get into a verbal 
Because, I mean, she just, when she gets going, it's like, whoa, bro, that, that left me wounded for years. Um, <laughs> thick skin, soft hearts, but... Um, Coda knew about that before you did. Oh, my gosh. And she's righteous anger, you know? That's Don righteous anger. It's like, wow, it's always like, it's, it's like we're arguing, it's like the scripture, she's preaching at me. I'm like, oh my God, like. Uh, the worst is when you're like in an argument and you have so much conviction about what you're arguing yeah. about and then you're wrong. <laughs> like, how did you have that much conviction? You were wrong, that's me. But I think it is funny, like uh, for, for years, you know, Dontree, it's, it's funny, but like we would, uh, listen, I, I get irritable. I'm impatient. Um, sometimes like even I've, I've, I've learned just in my own journey, we both go to therapists, by the way, that's been very, very helpful if we're gonna be practical. So uh, she talks to someone every week, I talk to someone every week. And I think all that's just good on the self-awareness journey. Cause even in marriage, we are a brand new creation together. But if we want this thing to stay healthy, we gotta keep focusing on being healthy individuals. Got to keep working on it, keep fighting through it. And so I'm an impatient person. Like I just, by the way, what love is patient. Yep. So impatience is not a form of love. So right away when I'm impatient, it's like, I'm not being loving. It's funny because I can teach on love and do workshops on love. And then myself, I can be very impatient. But one of maybe the good sides about me or is that I, I'll have like an I've seen this with our staff, with our team, with my friends. I can have serious conflict and serious confrontation, but as soon as it's been said and over, I'm, I've moved on. It's like, I could get on a Dakota about something, bro, oh, that's not right, confrontation, we get over it. It's like, you wanna go to lunch? You know, like I'm ready to hang out, you know? And that's not how Don Shree is at all. So not at all, like, <laughs> we have a good fight. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good, let's go. You wanna, you, wanna, you wanna sleep together? What do you, what do you wanna do? Um, <laughs> You wanna make out now? No, no, I don't wanna look at you, you know? <laughs> but she was classic for like, I thought something was over and then all of a sudden one day a letter would show up on my desk. <laughs> it's like, Rich, in the summer of 89, I'm like, is this a... I've written some letters. Is this a Nicholas Sparks novel? What would we like, the, the, the winter of, like the winter, like, um, so we have had to learn different communication tactics. I just think, if we're just talking practically, because I think sometimes it's important that we do get practical. Focus on thinking together, not thinking exactly alike. All that means is that we're, we're, we're both coming together with our opinion, we're both hearing ourselves. I think when you have serious things to talk about, like if you really have, there's gonna be conflict, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be issues, you're gonna see things differently. I think it's really important to set aside time, to say, let's table that, let's talk about this then. Like put, this sounds so funny, put, the argument or the disagreement on the calendar. Just like, I know this is like so boring to all the people that are like about to get married or like all the newlyweds are like, this is crazy. But like, you gotta put sex on the calendar. Like you have to, like if you're, if you're really gonna like raise three kids, lead a church, try to do all the things God fulfilled, called you to do, you actually have to set aside time. Just like you need a date night on the calendar. Otherwise, you'll be moved by all of the things of life that will push you into just being busy and whatever's urgent and you'll forsake that which is important. And so I just think healthy conflict, like we, we, we just, we don't fight good at night. We always end up saying something like that. Was, and it always, how many all know that the night always like intensifies things? My dad used to always tell me, I used to think it was crazy when I was a kid. Now I'm about to say it to my kids. Nothing good happens after 11 p.m. My dad said that too. Like, like 
genuinely, right? Like what, not much good comes, you know? But in your marriage, like that's not a good time to discuss, you know, how we're gonna pay for the kids college or, you know, you just lost your job and what, all that stuff hits even harder. I think it, it intensifies, the darkness intensifies. I couldn't agree more. And one more thing I wanted to add when we're talking about communication. Are you still mad at me? No, I love oh, okay. you so much. In the summer of 93, Rich, when we were walking across the bridge. Well, my motivation was that I would get riled up in conversations. And I didn't want to say things that I didn't mean to say. And so I, I, there was a period in our relationship where I would write because that way I knew that I could not be passive aggressive. I could not take digs. I could not, I could, I could write and evaluate it, you know, and know that what I was saying was what I felt, but not allowing emotions to change it. And I actually really applaud that and appreciate that. And for me, what I've learned about you, learned about me is that God gives us strengths, but then if we're not careful, the enemy can take our strength and turn it into our greatest weakness. And usually almost all of your weaknesses in life are just your strengths running in the opposite direction. So Don Shree, there is no doubt. Like, yo, without this girl, I'd probably be in jail. Let's be honest, okay? She has a righteous stubbornness and a true conviction. She knows how to put her heels down and say, you're not pushing me one more step. The question in life is, what are we gonna be stubborn about? And what are the areas that we're gonna be loose about? And I think that's a big deal in marriage because stubbornness is a gift. And I'm not calling my wife stubborn. I'm stubborn in a bunch of areas too. The question is, can we be stubborn about the things together? And can we figure out the areas that we need to flow? And um, I think, just so I'm making sure I'm saying this all right publicly, because we're kind of kidding around with each other. People don't know us and they end up writing in the comments how we're mean to each other. I've really appreciated you flowing and you really have appreciated you growing in those kind of categories where I think you writing it down is your form to say, I'm not going to just speak off the handle and I'm not just gonna let emotions take control, but I'm gonna think about this deeply. And if this still matters to me, if this happened on Monday and it still matters to me on Friday, I'm not gonna let it fester. I'm gonna bring it into the light. And that's what you've done for 21 years I now. I love you. The best. It, it was more so just trying to figure out new ways of health, right? And the thing I wanted to add on to what you were talking about. We don't actually so need good. you anymore if you could just leave. No, no I'm kidding. I, wanted, okay. I, I am going to come back. Totally. You guys but are doing I, great. I, I wanna sh- I'm mad at on my notebook right now. I want to share one more thing because I think it really has to do with how the Holy Spirit works in our lives in communication. And that's that over the years, what has brought me great peace and it has brought us great strength and peace in our home is not trying when we bring something to the table a different viewpoint, a disagreement, something that we need to discuss, um, not expecting an immediate resolution by the end of the conversation. This has brought so much peace and strength to our lives to say what we need to say and then not expect for the person as soon as you finish saying what you're saying to say, I'm so sorry, you're right, I'll never do, okay, closure. I think in our minds, that's what we think healthy relationships are. I think another picture could be, say what you need to say and ask them to think about it. And then let the Holy Spirit, the counselor, counsel their heart. I know for Rich and I both, that when we both bring things to each other and we give space, what happens is it diffuses the conversation because if you don't get the immediate apology, if you don't get the immediate response, what do you do? You just repeat everything you just said, but you say it a little louder. (laughs) 
say it a little stronger. And that's how disagreements escalate. And I would just encourage you, invite the Holy Spirit into conversations and know that I'm walking this out for a lifetime. Let's say what's on our heart and then give a moment. Go get a coffee, take a walk. I promise you, the Holy Spirit does a work in both of our lives. We both come back to the table. You're right, I could have done that. No, you know what? I see what, what you were thinking and it changed how I even interpreted the whole situation. The Holy Spirit's so faithful to work if we give Him room to speak. So good, so good. I love what you just mentioned, Pastor Rich. Sometimes our weaknesses are our strengths running in opposite directions. That's helpful because you don't want to push down your partner's strengths. You don't just want to compromise only to one side, but there are arguments that you can actually work through if you actually take some time to create a safe space. And I think when it comes to our relationships, one thing that I've learned being a part of VU for the last six and a half years is that sometimes we believe the lie that relationships are all emotional all emotional, but I believe if we wanna succeed in our relationships, there are very practical, logistical things that we need to implement in our relationships to actually have safe conversations. And this whole conversation that we just had right now started on, hey, how do you have the courage to fix something that's broken? But there are also times, especially when it comes to our dating relationships, where something doesn't need to be fixed we need to try again. We need to look other places. We need to end that relationship. And I think very practically, it would be helpful for us to talk a little bit about what that looks like. How do you break up with someone the right way as a Christ follower in church, whether it's on the guy's side, whether it's on the girl's side, but also this idea of heartbreak. I think oftentimes whenever we have a heartbreak in relationships, we have this hopeless feeling Will I ever find someone? Is there someone out there for me? Can you talk a little bit about, hey, this is not gonna be the right person for me. How do I move through that? And then also having faith for the future of your spouse. Yeah, very, very good question. Um, I think breaking up is, Don Shree and I, we broke up, of, uh, she broke up with me a few times uh, before we got married, one time on Thanksgiving. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> You'll never stop saying that. <laughs> If I hear the word breakup, it's a trigger for me. Well, my wife broke up with me on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Rule number one, never do that. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, I, look, I think sometimes these things, we want like these specific, every situation is always different. So let's just go to God's word. I think honesty, being truthful. You were asking a question earlier, we're back to that idea of like love. The scripture says God is love. What does culture say? Culture says love is God. Just that little order change makes your life out of order because love is not God. If love is God, that means whatever your definition of love is, that's God. So we live in a world right now that wants to tolerate everything, wants to accept everything, but God is love. So I have to start with who is God, his nature, his character, and then that is what defining love is. And so one of the most loving things you can do is just tell the truth. Now you can see people that tell the truth and they have no love in their heart whatsoever. It's just painful, it's mean, it's, it's self-righteous, it's egotistical, it's arrogant. So that's not what I'm saying, but I just think when it comes to relationships, many times we don't do the hard work of actually looking into our hearts and we just follow the pattern of the culture. We ghost people. Like I've just heard stories in here of like supposedly men of God who were courting a girl in the church and then one day, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't know if you had a justifiable, but it's like just ghost and vice versa. It goes to guys and girls. Like 
What, what is that? Just stop talking to somebody? Just never respond again? What do you think that does to somebody's emotions, somebody's value system? So I think the biggest thing we always do is start with the truth. Um, some of you, you've been in a toxic relationship and you heard us preaching about picking a partner. You're like, all right, I know this is not the person I want to marry. So it's like, <laughs> if I could use sort of a, it's like ripping a bandaid off. Do it fast, <laughs> do it swiftly, be a broken record, it's not gonna work. Um, this is not gonna work. I think we love to play in that codependent cycle of breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. And because we're making decisions with our emotions, I think you have to make one from conviction. Is this the person that God has set before you? Is this the person you wanna line your life up with? And if you know that to be not true, then quit playing that vicious cycle with their emotions. That's hurtful to them. That's hurtful to you. And, and, and be honest, be truthful. I think sometimes we, we're just like, don't blame God, blame yourself. Like, you know, it's God. Well, you should have listened to God before the relationship. You know, like, uh, don't blame the other person. It's, it's on you. Like, like, like I, I think we have to take ownership of the moment. And I, I don't believe it's helpful to like project things onto people when we're gonna break up. I think it's like, hey, look, we're different people. This is not the direction I wanna go. I'm grateful for our time together. Uh, I think this idea, like, let's just be friends. Well, come on, you know, like um, that, that very rarely works. I think that almost at times makes people feel like, what we, how could we just be friends? We've already crossed that line. And so I think things get said that we don't realize that can be even more painful in the breaking up process. My biggest thing that I would, I, I've counseled so many couples on is be honest, be truthful, take responsibility for the moment and move forward. I think the flip side, you're asking about broken hearts because that's really where I think so many of us find ourselves. And maybe there's people in the room today that are, that are divorced or people that really loved someone and they betrayed you, they let you down. And it can be so hard to trust again. It's amazing how one wrong relationship can sour all of our relationships. And life, the most beautiful things about life are the people that God places in our life. And when we stop trusting, we stop giving ourselves over to people, we stop being honest, then we close up. And when we close up, we're unable to receive the beauty that other people bring into it. And so it's amazing how like a failed marriage can all of a sudden close you off to your kids, can close you off to other friends, can close you off to church. I've just had to learn in this whole job, sometimes I meet people and they think they have a problem with me, but they really don't have a problem with me. They have a problem with God. They have a problem with, with their dad. They have a problem with their coach. They have a problem with their spouse. And so they're looking for a place to blame or they're looking for a place to project their hurt. I mean, it helps all of us just in life that when we interact with people that do things that you're like, why would you do that? It's because they're hurt. It's because they're broken. And the only way that we get through that is through the spirit of God, receiving his forgiveness, but also releasing those that have hurt us. And it's only until I forgive those that I'm able to really step in and be healthy for someone else in the future in a relationship. What would you add to any of those things? Well, I would just say that the house of God, is, it's a house of prayer, it's a house of healing, it's a house of support in every season. And on the other side of heartbreak, whether you walk through a divorce, whether you are a single mom or a single dad, I would just encourage you that this house is full of beautiful testimonies of God's faithfulness and providence. Amen. And that's, that's the story of our entire community. I mean, it's just beautiful. 
And what better place for you to meet someone to walk alongside than at a crew or serving on a team or in the house of God. Like we just speak life over you. And we wanna be the community that when you can't see what God has, has in front of you, when your vision is blurred by tears and heartbreak and you can't see, we wanna be the community that says, oh no, you may not be able to see it right now, but we can. And we've seen it again and again. We've witnessed it. God is faithful. And so all, all the seasons that we walk through, what the enemy does is he tries to make you feel like you are the outlier. He tries to make you feel like, oh yeah, I know they're talking about relationships, but they don't know what I'm facing. I'm a single dad with two kids and who's gonna walk alongside me? Are you crazy? You're a man of God with a heart after God. You love your children. There's a woman that's gonna say, you are my answered prayer. You're everything that I've been looking for. This is the dream of my life. Don't let the enemy lie to you. That's not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God. God is telling your story. And if you continue to trust Him with all of your heart, the Word says He will direct your path. And so this just, we want this to be the place that, that you know there, there's not one of us that is an outlier to the promises of God. He's, he's faithful. Come on, can we put our hands together for that? I, I, so helpful. He is faithful. I think when it comes to our relationships, we cannot separate our relationships with our significant other from our relationship with God. Through God, we find the faith and the hope that we need to continue to move forward. But as you're talking about miracles, as you're talking about God coming through for relationships and testimonies that we have in this house, you all have a testimony. And uh, you've shared it with us many times. And at the beginning of our church, we got to celebrate you welcoming Wyatt Wesley Wilkerson into the world. But before Wyatt, you all walked through eight years of infertility. You didn't share that to start. That was a burden that you all carried together as a marriage. But with that, eight years is not a short time. How was that walking through that as a marriage? I'm sure it was unexpected. What was the tension that that put on your relationship? And what were safe opportunities that you had to give each other grace in that season? And what were things that you did that practically helped you walk through such a difficult season that I'm sure people in here are walking through the same? Well, when we started our infertility journey, we'd already been married for about um, four years. And I just think it was the last thing that we saw coming our way. And I tried to really just deal with it before anybody knew there was a problem. I didn't share it with my parents for a year. I went to all the doctor's visits. I was just like, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna have this baby. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm not even gonna speak it. It's, but I couldn't fix it. And um, a year in, we told my family. And then six years in, we shared it with our church. We live in a culture that glorifies vulnerability and really glorifies a false authenticity. And what I would tell you is if you're in a tough season, um, allow God to be your healer and your counselor, allow Him to walk you through it, and then let your people in on what you're walking through. Let your people in. Let them lift you up in prayer. Let them intercede for you. Be vulnerable with them. But friends, you do not have to document every step of your journey. Let the transformation take place deep in your soul instead. Like let the Holy Spirit really establish 
um, your trust in Him so that when you do share it, because I think there is a proper time to share it. And I shared it before I held the baby because God impressed that on me. But I wasn't sharing it because I needed something from the people I was sharing it with publicly from a stage. I was sharing it because God had already healed me. <laughs> he had healed my heart before He healed my body. And I, I just wanna encourage you, if you're in a tough season, we're a team. Don't pit your partner against you. Lean in. In cooking, I've been learning how to cook over the last 10 years. <laughs> I'm still a beginner, but I love it. <laughs> and he loves it. <laughs> and uh, what I've learned in cooking is you gotta keep it simple. So many times I overdo it when I'm cooking. I try to put a million things in. When you keep it simple, it's the best. Keep the pure, best ingredients. And what I discovered over eight years is that when I kept it simple, there's health there. When I look to all the blog posts and reading what everyone else's picture of infertility is and how annoying their husband is and how annoying it is to have to have sex on a calendar and how annoying it is to go to the doctor's visits, all of a sudden I started to see my journey through their eyes when really I just needed to focus on how we were doing and we were doing just fine. Yeah, it took intention. Yeah, there were bad days. Everybody has bad days. Life is not easy. But friends, all of us in this room, watching at City Online, we are blessed. God's been faithful to us and I had to keep it simple. I find my hope in God's Word. I find encouragement in God's house. I believe His Word for me. And, and I just wanna encourage you, don't complicate it. Don't get your theology um, brackish by picking up the perspectives of the world. Uh, love Jesus, talk to Him and read His Word. Be a part of the body. You're gonna find strength in every single season. And what it made us do is, it made us keep Jesus at the center and our relationship at the center. So that we knew that when we were bringing our kids in, that our kids weren't gonna be the center of our world. I didn't, I was on pause for eight years. You're single in here today, you're not on pause. You're walking through an infertility season, you are not on pause. Those eight years were some of the most purpose-filled years of my life. And the closeness of God is a closeness that I have craved since then. Why? Because He is close to the brokenhearted. He is close. And I, I read my tear-stained journals and I read the downloads that didn't come from a podcast. It came from God's faithfulness. And He will give you something that you'll carry for every season forward. And it just solidified in that waiting that I wanna raise my kids knowing that they're not the center of my world that God is the center of our world. And you don't do that with your words, you do that with your actions. It's not me like dumbing down my love for my kids or talking down. No, I will lavish my love on them. But they're gonna come along on the journey. They're in VU Kids right now for a reason. They're gonna be in more than one service today because I need them to know what God's Word says. I want them to know it for themselves. And, and I just think that hard times, they reveal what your foundation is. And friends, you'll never go wrong trusting Jesus. He is faithful, faithful, faithful. Come on, can we put our hands together for the God we serve? Um, I was, we were, were writing this teaching called Steps to Staying in Love. And one of the steps is lean in. And I, I, I just, I like that picture of leaning in because crisis or obstacles or pressure 
it wants to get you to lean away. So something like infertility. Um, if you read all the research on like divorce, it's like, you know, one of the top ones is like financial pressure or something, you know, tragic, a, a death of a child. In fact, many people that if they have a child die, they just can't, it just, it's too painful. It's, it just reminds them of all the laws. And um, I think that's what the enemy would do. Like he would try to bring an obstacle or pressure and get you to lean away. But the gift and, and the comfort that God's provided is that you would lean in. And that can start on, you know, drastic big things that like we just mentioned, infertility or loss of a child or loss of a job or loss of a business or sickness in the home. But, but it's the small stuff every day. It's like, you know, your spouse coming home and just going, I had a bad day. You can either lean in or you can lean away. If they're vulnerable, I'm insecure. You can either lean in or you can, you can lean away. And I think it's just the continuous leaning in that helps you just stay in love. I think there's so many pressures. I like that you just were mentioning the idea like, I'm grateful for social media. I don't know, the older I get, maybe not so grateful, but um, just, we live in this world where we, have to, like, we think we have to share everything. And I, don't, I feel the pressure all the time, like just in case you're wondering, these days, if you lead a church and if there's a lot of people that go to it, supposedly I have to have an answer for everything at all times. I have to have an opinion about everything all the time. Let me just tell you, having an opinion about everything all the time will kill you. Newsflash, you don't have to have an opinion about everything all the time. You don't have to care, here's the word, care about everything all the time. You gotta know what you have to care about. You have to go, other things you have to go, you know what? I, I'm, I'm processing, I'm thinking about that, I'm not. And I think for us in our, in our season, closure and meaning takes time. So it wasn't like we got the news that we couldn't have kids. It's like, I'm just gonna trust God's faith. Maybe we said that, but just cause I was saying that doesn't mean that my heart was all the way there. It's a journey and a process. And I just think we have to give ourselves permission to journey. Permission to say, I'm having a bad day. Just cause we're having a bad day doesn't mean we have to have a bad relationship. Right. Had a bad season. That doesn't mean that God's bad. And so allow yourself the permission with your spouse, your partner to lean in. And I think for us on our journey, that's what we did. Like not every day, other days, I think we were feeling something and this is crazy, but we started, we could teach about it. We had practical things we started doing. We wanted to be the best aunt and uncle ever. Like that was just a little thing. We're gonna be celebrators of the thing that we want God to do in our life. All the single people out there that you're just dying to get married. Don't be that person that when your friend gets engaged, you're bitter. That's not attracting, that's not leading, that's not a faith-filled heart. Be loud with your celebration. That per, you're, you're wanting to get a promotion? Find the person around you who got promoted, celebrate them. You wanna buy a house? When someone gets a house, be like, thank God they got a, don't be the hater, don't be the judger, be the celebrator. It's gonna keep your heart, it's gonna keep your heart open. It's gonna keep your heart open. Don't inwardly cheer against people. Celebrate, keep, keep an open heart. And when we were in that journey, we were like, we're gonna be the best aunt and uncle. We're gonna we're gonna celebrate our, we're gonna go all the baby showers. We're bringing gifts, we won't be a part of it. Not because we're so great, because we just wanna keep an open heart. I didn't know if God was gonna do it, but like Don Cherie said, I think that storm, I just preached about it this past week and I was at a church and storms create opportunities for a new revelation of Jesus. I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know Jesus was a provider unless I found myself broke. <laughs> I wouldn't know he's a healer unless I found myself sick. I wouldn't know he's a restorer unless my heart was broken. You can go down the list. It's that obstacle and that pain 
that gave me an opportunity to go, wow, he really is true with his word. He really is who he said that he is. And I never would have known it unless I had gone through this valley. I wouldn't have known it. And so, um, yeah, I just encourage people. There's so many things we're gonna talk about. I think we're gonna do this all day. So if something tells me we're gonna be talking about a lot of things, but I just know that there's, there's all sorts of relationship pain in this room. I know the last six weeks, we've tried our best to, to approach some of it, but none of us on our team think that we've covered everything. None of us think that we've solved everything, but maybe we've planted some seeds for some healthy conversation. Maybe we've created some new guardrails that you might be able to go long in the journey of relationship with the same person. Maybe you could discover, wow, God's got something to say about sex. Maybe I should actually obey the owner's manual and actually have it function the right way. Oh, wow, marriage is more than just my romantic partner. It's actually this thing that gets to have a mission and gets to be a testimony of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. It's the gospel. And I, I just believe that somewhere on this journey that those seeds that are planted as they begin to take root in your life, they're gonna bring about harvest. For Don Shree and I, it's the privilege and the joy of our life getting to lead this community but we don't just lead it, we participate in it. And so we're not just trying to give you our counsel, we seek some of you in the audience, your counsel. And we're just committed to walking this journey out together right here in the city of Miami, Florida, that we're gonna build a church that our kids and our kids' kids can grow up and learn the ways of God and walk in a happy, healthy home, flourishing according to His Word. Amen. Amen. As we're closing here, I think my last question is, we always say that a healthy church is made up of healthy families. Really healthy families are made of healthy relationships. Healthy relationships are made up of healthy individuals. I know in this collection of talks, we've been talking a lot about relationships with our significant others and dating and our marriage, but maybe we could just speak vision. Sometimes uh, we get lost in our head so down just into our specific family situation, but maybe you could give us some vision as to where you see the families at Vu Church, uh, the legacies that he's building here and, and where we're headed. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna also just take a moment. I'm gonna have you, if you don't mind, maybe just praying. I know we kind of started, I think maybe week one and three, we did that, but I just sense it in my spirit again. Let's just pray for marriages before we go. Um, you know, Ephesians 5, I think Colossians 3 or 4 kind of gives you the rules and the picture of a, of a healthy household. You ought to get accustomed with it if you're wanting to be married, wanting to have kids. Um, and there's just so many different stories. I have to keep saying that because sometimes when you start speaking to an area, it's like you feel left out. Some of you are in this room and like, you got saved to this church, but your spouse is not saved. Yeah. You're like, where does that leave me? Selective hearing. Am I supposed to get out of this? By no means. 1 Corinthians 7, I think 1 Peter 4 speaks to that, that Actually, you don't need to preach to your spouse. You need to live out the gospel. Be a living witness. Let them see Jesus on the inside of you. Serve them, love them. Let them see Jesus on the inside of you. God hasn't left you. God's got a plan for you. Those of you that are in this house today, man, obey God's word. Put God's word at the forefront of your marriage. There's roles in a marriage. That we have a role to play. Husbands are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Wives are to submit to their husbands, not in some kind of like slave and master format, but rather as a team saying, let's walk out our vision. And then we're to raise kids in a beautiful way that we're not to exasperate our children. Children, if you're in the room, honor your mother and father. There's a promise attached to that. I just think, man, like I wanna keep honoring mom and dad. Why? Because they're the best ever? They are the best ever, but because I wanna live a long life. <laughs> I just believe God's word that much. Like. I want to actually do what the word says, but 
when you do what the Word says, it's amazing how you put yourself in position to receive His promise. And He's got a promise over your home that you're better together. And um, just all of this room, if we could, maybe just bow our heads for a moment. And uh, don't you, why don't we stand up actually? And if you're here with, with your spouse, maybe just grab them by the hand. Maybe you're engaged. I don't know. I just, I'm just sensing this as Dakota was asking us questions. Let's just pray for a moment, Don Cherie. And I want to make an invitation for people today that don't know Jesus, but can we just pray over the homes and the houses here, DC? Let's just pray that God's hand would be upon them. Amen. God, we, we lift up our lives to You. God, we surrender every part of our hearts. God, I pray for every single family, Lord, in our community, watching online at City. God, I thank You for your faithfulness that builds our homes, your kindness, God, that draws us to your heart again and again and again, that changes us, Lord, as we open up our lives to you. And God, I just pray for a grace and a strength inside of every single home and heart. God, I pray for people, Lord, who right now are filled with anxiety, are overwhelmed by worry, God, that are broken and don't know how you could ever fix the pieces of their heart, God, the ache, God, that they have carried for so long. Lord, I just pray right now that You would lift their heads, God, that You would encourage them. You are in control and they are Your son, Your daughter, who You love. God, I pray right now for healing and restoration in marriages. God, I pray for communication to open back up again, for grace, God, to be shown, for love to be spoken. God, for investment to be made in this relationship that You've given us. And God, I just pray right now for individuals, Lord, who are wondering, what does the future hold? Maybe they're overwhelmed with their season and it's not looking like what they ever wanted. God, I pray that right now that Your confidence would fill them, God, that You are for them. God, that their hearts shouldn't be full of fear, but anticipation, Lord, of the story that You're telling. God, I pray for single moms and dads, Lord. I thank You for their lives. And God, I pray that You would bless their homes, give them wisdom, understanding, discernment, bless them in every way. And Lord, bless their children. We love You for this house where we can look to Your Word and know that You are with us and that's everything. So we thank You in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, can we put our hands together? you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.